just want to share just a little bit. First of all, hello. hello. My name is Shannon. Um, I know most of you, there might be a few that I haven't really had a chance to build a personal relationship with, but hopefully over time that will happen. Uh, just a little bit of background about myself. Um, I've been married for 20 years. My wife will be here for second service. Some of you know her. Her name's Carrie. She'll kill me for saying that. She hates attention. So when I do that, if anyone stays for second service or warn second service people, have them all turn and stare at her. She loves that. Um, no, don't do that. I'll be in trouble for the rest of the week. Um, I have two wonderful children. I see a little bit of boring stuff about myself. For, I don't know, about 10, 12 years, uh, we were in youth ministry. We were a part early on when this church was established and started into starting the youth ministry here at the church. Uh, love that, love kids. Sometimes I might come across as a big kid. So if that happens, well, just bear with it and uh, tolerate me. Uh, from there, I transitioned into just a little bit of more grown-up ministry. I was offered an opportunity to travel out to the desert and senior pastor at church, and we were out there for about a year and a half. Uh, some of you may know the town is called Trona. Some of you may just think, oh, what is that? Uh, it's out in the middle of nowhere on the way to Death Valley. Uh, it's a very unique town, to say the least. Um, I've described it to people as the closest thing you could go on to a world's mission trip without actually leaving the United States. Um, the people are amazing. I miss them terribly. I love them. I've had the opportunity to go back and perform a couple of weddings and just be a part of different graduations, so it was just fantastic. But from that time to now, I have, and that's been over eight years, believe it or not, I've only shared twice on a platform like this since then. When I came back, the Lord said, I want you to be quiet for a while. Those that you know me, that's a difficult thing to do. Um, I don't always listen. Uh, occasionally I've gotten involved and I've led a few little ministries here or there, done a few things. And, but the Lord said, I want you to be quiet. He's given me permission to speak today. If we could put this, my slide up. I have one slide. Who do you say that I am? Now, I'm going to ask while I'm going through the message today, that this slide remains up here the entire time. Because when you get bored of me, I want you to look up at this, and I want you to be reminded and to think of Jesus Christ. Today's message is called, Who Do You Say That I Am? And in Matthew 16, Jesus turned to his disciples, and he asked them, Who do the people say that I am? Who do the people say that I am? And that wasn't the important question. He listened and said, uh-huh, okay, I understand. But in verse 15, he looked at his disciples, the ones that he's been ministering with, teaching with, they've been seeing his miracles, the one he's built a relationship with. He looks at them and he says, who do you say that I am? You see, that's the important question. That's the question that I'm going to ask every one of you this morning to think about, to have in your heart, to be prepared to talk about. Who do you say Jesus is? Will you pray with me this morning? Father God, I thank you for this amazing opportunity to be able to come back up and to talk with your children. Father, I thank you that you've trusted me with your word 
Lord, to be a vessel to be able to be transparent so that your word, your wisdom, your spirit can reach into your children and touch their lives. Father, I pray for hope. I pray for mercy. I pray for forgiveness. I pray for kindness. I pray for growth. I pray for development. I pray for change, Father God. I pray that your word will speak to every soul in here and every heart will be softened and every mind will be renewed and they'll have a new and rededicated focus on who you are, Father. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning, I'm going to go through four verses out of the second book of Timothy. Paul is writing to Timothy. Four verses. Now, I'm going to warn some of you. I could easily spend six months talking about the second chapter of Timothy, or the second book of Timothy, the second letter of Timothy. Easily spend six months teaching, sharing, talking about, but I'll be nice this morning. I'll keep it under a couple hours. So, okay, maybe not quite that long. I'll get, I've got timers out there to help me keep, uh, keep on pace. But I love this letter. When I accepted my ministry call to go and be a senior pastor in Trona, this was the, the book, the letter, that I formulated an entire year and a half of teaching based on the principles that I read in 2 Timothy. There's a lot in there. And I'm going to use four verses this morning to see if we can hear Paul describing who Christ is and talking to Timothy. Now again, it's irrelevant what Paul says because what matters is who do you say Jesus is? I want, I want us to all kind of say that together this morning, will you? Ready? On the count of three, we're all going to say this together, okay? One, two, three. Who do you say that I am? So we're going to begin. This is in 2 Timothy, for those that love to take notes. It's verses 6, 7, 8, and 9. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the Spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. He has saved us and called us into a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. So I want to kind of break this out just a little bit. I want to go through these verses and have an opportunity to break it down and talk about it just a little bit. When Paul is writing to Timothy, he's reminding him to fan the flame of the gift of God. Now I want everyone in here to know that you have a unique and special gift that God has given you. Some of you don't even know what it is yet. But some of you know what your gift is. And I want you to fan that gift. I want you to exercise that gift. I want you to use that gift so it becomes a roaring fire for God. See, when we talk about gifts and things like that, sometimes we, we think of a gift kind of like that, that knitted sweater that Aunt Batsy gives us on Christmas with a picture of her on it. And, and we get that gift and we're like, oh gee, thanks, I love it. And then we stick it in the corner and we only bring it out when she comes over so because we want to show appreciation for the gift, but we're never going to use it. That's not the gift that God gives you. 
The, God, the gift that God gives you is unique and special and designed specifically for you. And sometimes I think we come to church and we will exercise that gift that God gave us because we're in his house. But when we're out in the rest of the world, that gift, we put it back on the shelf and we don't use it. See, God wants us to use our gifts in everyday life. How many people in here have the gift of compassion or the gift of love or the gift of mercy or the gift of communication? How many people are gifted speakers or leaders or instructors? We all have unique and special talents and gifts that God wants us to use every day. We'll look at our lives and we'll think sometimes, I'm not where I want to be or I'm not happy with what I have or I'm not happy where I'm going in my life. And the reason most likely that could be happening is you're not exercising and fanning and erupting the gift that God's given you in your life to be successful at what you do and to love what you do. We conform and adapt to what we think we want or what other people want rather than exercising that unique gift that God's given us. And some of you are sitting there saying, well, pastor, that's great and all, but I don't know what my gift is. How am I supposed to know what my gift is? I, I, I don't know. Well, I want to remind you. It says, for this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. There's something unique and powerful when leaders and ministers and spiritual gifts and gifted people obey God. I'm just kind of curious. Um, if you're a, a pastor a leader, or an elder in this church, would you stand up for a moment, please? Just remain standing and stand up for just a moment. And just remain standing for just a moment. Everyone else, look around. Look at the people that are standing right now. And I want you to be asking yourself, if I don't know what my gift is, if I don't know what it is that God's given me, I want you to look around this room and see everyone that's standing. I couldn't stand up because I'm already standing. I want you to look at these people and I want you to find one of them after church service today. I want you to go up to them and say, I don't know what my gift is and I want to know what the gift that God's given me is. And they're going to put their hands on you and they're going to pray that you will receive the answer to your question because I trust God. That's my gift. My gift is I trust God. I can be in the middle of fire and consequences and chaos and people will look at me and say, why are you so calm? Because I answer, I've, I don't have to worry about it because God's got this. I trust him. And I believe that if you will go to one of these individuals, if you don't know what your gift is and you say, I don't know what my gift is, will you pray for me? I believe God is a faithful, trustful, and good God and he is going to reveal that answer to you. You may not get it right then like that or you might and the heavens are going to shake and it's going to be exciting or he's going to de develop you and grow you and show you a unique gift that you have for the world. So go ahead and have a seat. You see, for the Spirit of God, the Spirit that God gave us is not a spirit that is timid. How interesting that that follows right after the challenge I presented to you to go out and ask someone to pray for you. Or how interesting was it that I asked the leaders and elders and ministers in our church to stand up and stand for a moment. You didn't know what I was going to do. I have a history of being unpredictable. Inconsistency with me, yes. But you did because you weren't afraid.
you knew God could do all things. God did not give us a spirit to be, that is timid, but to be brave and courageous, to speak up when we have the opportunity to speak about Christ, to say, He is my Lord, He is my Savior. I think the world has been trying to silence Christians for some time. I think the world's been trying to intimidate Christians to, to, to push us down, to keep us quiet, to lock us in the corner, and to forget about us. I got a news for those people. I am not ashamed of Jesus Christ. I will stand on the rooftops, I will stand on the mountains, and I will shout it, I love you, Jesus. I am not ashamed. I have nothing to fear. Come at me with swords, come at me with guns, come at me with sticks and stones. I don't care. Because there's something better for me than this world anyways. There ain't nothing you got that's going to stop me. Now, I'm not asking you to go to war. I'm not asking you to start fights. I'm not asking you to be disrespectful. But I'm just reminding you that God's Spirit is not a spirit that is timid. Have you ever had the opportunity to talk to somebody whom you may have thought was or was not a believer? Do you remember that, that power, that, that excitement, that love when you're sharing who Jesus Christ is with them? You're sharing your testimony, you're sharing your impact, how God has changed your life and you get to impart this onto somebody else and they're excited and sometimes they'll accept who the Lord is, they'll accept what you're saying, the Spirit works and their lives are changed. Let me ask you, have you ever recalled a time where the Lord imprompted you to do something or say something or to, to maybe help somebody and you didn't do it? Man, those are the times that really affect me. When I'm in the moments when I'm obeying God, and it's great and wonderful and glorious at the time, but I move on, and I don't tend to retain those as much as I do the times when I'm timid and afraid and don't speak up when the Lord wants me to speak. The Spirit of God is not timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. I think we've talked a lot over the years about the power of God. We've talked a lot about the love of God. But self-discipline, man, that's a tough one. Self-discipline's hard. You know, I, I didn't grow up in church. I didn't know the Lord. To be honest with you, I didn't care who the Lord was when I was a kid. I thought it was a crutch for weak-minded people. I didn't understand but as I grew, I understood that there's a lot of life lessons and values and truths to the Word of God. But see, I have this distorted view of self-discipline, self-confidence. See, when I was younger, I was very good at manipulation. I could get what I wanted, when I wanted, how I wanted, and nobody could tell me what to do. I had a huge issue with authority. My wife would be saying amen because she knew me when I was younger. But I wouldn't listen to teachers. I used to tell teachers that I don't have time for your homework. It's a waste of my time. I'll pass your classes, but I've got other things I'm going to do. And every one of my teachers accepted it. And I didn't do homework all of high school. If there's any teachers in here, I'm sure you want to slap me right now. And I probably should have been by one of them back then, but I wasn't. See, I, I thought I was in control. I thought between working hard and getting what I wanted, nobody could tell me what to do. And, and the world has created this idea about self-discipline. 
You know, you see bodybuilders, and you look at them, and you're thinking, man, those people are disciplined. They eat these certain foods, they work out, they work out six hours a day, and they're like buff and tough, nothing like me. But, I mean, they're just huge, right? Or we look at successful people, man, look at the hours and dedication they put to get where they're at. They worked hard, they studied, they did this. And don't get me wrong, none of these things are wrong. These are wonderful attributes and gifts that you have. But what if I was to tell you self-discipline, God's self-discipline was from a different cloth, was done a little bit differently. What if I was to tell you that God's discipline was something like the path of patience, kindness, mercy, understanding, forgiveness, acceptance, and love? See, that's when it gets hard. That's when it gets scary. If it wasn't for God's grace, love, and mercy, I'd be a wreck. I'd be a mess. I would fail at every single one of those things. But those are the attributes and the characters that build true spiritual self-discipline. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives power, love, and self-discipline. Now it goes on to say, do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord. Now, can I ask for a little bit of liberty and freedom this morning? I I understand the context of that text literally means do not be ashamed of Jesus. But the word of God has a way of speaking to us, sometimes out of context. And when I read that, when I was, because I've been mulling over this all week, this message. And when I read this particular passage, it reminded me of something. You know, it says, you know, do not be ashamed of the testimony of our Lord. But I, I want to tweak it just a little bit with your, with your permission. I'm not distorting the word of God, but I'm telling you how it spoke to me. When I read that, I read, do not be ashamed of your life, for your life is a testimony to me. You see, oftentimes we'll look at our pasts and we'll see things that we've done or said or acted, and we can become ashamed of it. I'm guilty of that. I can appreciate when Paul was saying, I am the chief sinner of them all. He killed Christians. He tried to crush the movement of the way. But God wants us to be free. So I'm going to tell everybody this morning right now, you're free. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've said, acted, done, or whatever. You're free today. God has made you free. You are not a prisoner. Even that one thing, you know what I'm talking about. That one thing, heaven forbid, if anybody ever found out about it, you would die. That one thing that you bury and and try to dig a hole and put in the the darkest, deepest area of the world to forget about, that, that secret little thing that you don't want nobody to know about. Even your spouse may not even know about it. That one thing that whenever you're out there and you try to do something for the will of God or word of God, the devil jumps out and says, hey, you remember this? You remember this thing that you said or did or whatever? Well, I have a surprise for you. God already knows what it is. God's already forgiven you of it. It's gone. You're free. Leave free today. There is nothing, nothing, that you have said or done that can separate you from the love and mercy of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. 
I have an exercise I want to try all of us to do for just a moment. Make a fist. Palm up out in front of you, but keep it closed. Open and blow it away. It's gone. You're free today. Every one of us has a personal testimony. Every one of us. And I don't want any of us to be ashamed of what our testimony is because our testimony reminds us of who we are today in Christ, not who we were in the past. That's the truth that changes lives when we talk to people about Christ. The last portion of the four verses he has saved us and called us into a holy life. Not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Jesus has called you into a holy life. Not because of your past, not because of your present, but because of the gift that God has given. But what does that mean? to be called into a holy life. It's not live the way we used to. Selfish desires, manipulation, cruelty, things that have distracted us from being who God's called us to be. There are men in this room who were called to be amazing husbands. There are women in this room who have been called to be amazing wives and mothers or aunts or friends. But we've allowed the world's distortion to pull us away from that gift that God's given us. And I'm asking you, in the name of Jesus Christ, to let go of the world and be who God has called you to be. Today's message is titled, Who Do You Say That I Am? And each point that was talked about, I believe, was a way of Paul demonstrating who Christ was to him. His teachings, his messages, all were based on the impact that Jesus had on him. But I want to share something with you that you may not have realized. Do you know how much time Paul spent with Jesus in the flesh? Zero. So how is it that Paul was so greatly influenced by God, by Jesus, that he changed his life, changed his name, changed his beliefs, became a sacrifice for Christ, and he had never physically met the man? Because of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit that spoke to Paul speaks to us, and speaks to others. I have a short video that I want to show, and this is a few people answering that question for them. So if we can get that video ready, and go ahead and play it, please.
was Jesus? Who is Jesus? That's the question. That's the question. Was he a real person? What did he say? What did he do? What made him so special? What made him different than any other man in history? The records show. His birth was a miracle. His mom was a virgin and she was pregnant. He made the blind see. The deaf hear. The mute speak. The paralyzed walk. He healed terrible diseases. He knew what was in men's minds. He knew what was in men's hearts. He knows what is in men's hearts. He knew the story of people's lives without ever having met them. He spoke with authority. He amazed teachers. He amazed everyone. Nature obeyed him. He turned water into wine. He walked on water. He walked on top of the water. He could change the weather. He fed 5,000 people from one lunchbox. He brought people who were dead back to life. He loved sinners. He loved everyone. 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 He forgave sins. He never made a mistake. He never once sinned. But we judged him. We whipped and beat him. We spit on him. And we killed him. He loved us anyway. He loves us anyway. He died for us. He died so that we wouldn't have to. He paid for our sins with his life. Did I mention he loves us? He came back to life. He was dead. Then he was alive. A lot of people saw him. He is coming back. Who is Jesus? That's a big question. That's the big question. What does it even matter? What does it matter to you? Who is Jesus? My answer doesn't matter to you. Only your answer matters to you. Who do you say that he is? Who do you say that he is? See, I could stand up here for hours and tell you all the miraculous things that Jesus has done. I can tell you, you know, what the Bible says about him, what people have told me about him, what pastors have said for years about him. And all of that's fine and good, but none of it really matters. Because what matters is, who do you say Jesus is? That's your testimony. That's your life. That's who you are. To me, Jesus is my Savior. He took a broken boy with no father, a mother who did her best but had issues from alcohol and different things, a boy who had an issue with respecting my elders, no real guidance, learned how to live life and accomplish and get things my way because it's the only way I knew how and turned him into a man. Jesus turned me into a man. He put men in my lives as examples, people that I could learn to love and respect, guide and instruct and help me. He turned me from a boy that was hurting, confused and lost into a man with direction, passion, love, and excitement. 
Now, life has not been easy, and there's no promises that ever will be, but He is my salvation. He is my life. He is my Father. He is my helper. He is my guide. He is the one who disciplines me. He's the one who corrects me. He's also the one that picks me up when I fall. I love God. I've never met him face to face. I've never got a shake in his hand. I've never got to give him a hug. I get to tell him thank you all the time. About every day, because I do something that needs to be forgiven for. But I know him in a way that, I know him better than I know my wife. And I love my wife. She's my angel that saved me from all kinds of damage. We were high school sweethearts, and she got me out of some bad directions that I was going in my life because God put her in my life. So who do I say that he is? He's everything. He's my life, my grace, my forgiveness, my friend, my helper. But none of this matters to you because what matters is who is he to you? Who do you say he is? I want that to become the cornerstone of who you are. In closing, I have a simple statement that I want to make. I found the meaning and purpose of life. And I'm going to share it with all of you. It's very simple. It's very easy. And it's easy to do. We all woke up this morning because we're here, correct? What if I was to already tell you 50% of your existence is successful when you woke up this morning? Because when you woke up this morning, guess who loved you? Jesus. I've been hearing whispers. We don't have a spirit of timidness, do we? We have a spirit of power and love and self-discipline. Who loved us this morning? Jesus. Who loves us this afternoon? Jesus. Who loves us when we go to bed? Jesus. There's 50% of your life is successful. The other 50% of life is to love him back. So if you love God, you're 100% successful in his life for you. Everything else is a gift for us. This blue ball that we dance around on and make chaos and have fun with and dig holes in and do all kinds of stuff to was a gift to us. Your little chihuahua or German shepherd that, you know, attacks you in the morning and wakes you up with licking you in the face is a gift to you. The phone call from whoever it is that you were meeting today to make sure you woke up and got here on time is a gift for you. But the meaning and purpose of life was to be loved by God and for us to love him back. Everything else is a blessing. Enjoy it. Even in the sin, broken, cursed world that we live in because of our disobedience, it's still a gift. Because guess what happens when our existence here fades? Where does it reappear? God. With God. We're with him. We're with the Father. I love it. Just keep saying, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> so I'm going to ask if the worship team would go ahead and come up. And I'm going to ask all of us just for a moment to just close your eyes. I want you just to reflect for a moment and think to yourself, 
Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? Do you know your gifts? Remember those faces if you want someone to pray for you. Do you have someone that you could think of in your mind that maybe it's time to tell them who Jesus is to you? Do you believe he's more than just a man? Do you believe he died on the cross for your sins, rose again, and has promised eternity for you? I do. So Father God, we thank you. We thank you for loving us. We thank you for allowing us to to love you back. Lord, let us experience life and enjoy life in a new, new vision, a new light, a new way. Father, I pray that whatever has been distracting us can be fate, that will just fade away. And when we can have a rededication and focus on who you are. So Lord, we thank you, we praise you, and we look forward to seeing what you're going to do in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.